Has yeah. there ever been a RoboCop Terminator crossover? Oh, wow. Like an I've Alien versus Predator yeah. movie? Yeah. RoboCop versus Terminator versus Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it would probably have to play, take place in Detroit just to give RoboCop some jurisdiction. Ho- well, yeah. I was going to say home turf advantage, but jurisdiction is way better. So, yeah. I mean, because, you know, Dracula will just brings some dirt with him, so he's fine. <laughs> And Terminator just like the future is his. Yeah, Terminator right? don't he don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, where where he is. he's he's not subject to our laws. Right. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. All right, you're trying to get us the same kind of criticism that the besties gets. I see. Do they get criticism? This is episode number, yeah, but only because they're so wrong about Plants vs. Zombies, too. Uh, This is episode number 124 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast about hot dogs. Are you adding an extra I for every episode? I hadn't been, but now I kind of want to. <laughs> well, but that's not really how you would spell. It's always hard. So so we do a lot of things where we have to write something that involves somebody, say, extending a syllable for a really long time. Right. And it's always a challenge figuring out how to do that. Because I feel like if if we wrote a script that was like, Kevin enters stage left, says, Eeeem, Kevin. Like, because that's what a bunch of eyes in a row are going to look like. Huh. E? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like, you don't go, like, Hawaii. You go, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, that's how that's how that word goes. Uh, Riff brought the corn cobs. Yeah. Got them just in case we need them. In case we need them. For anything, to, Kevin brought a graduated corn cob, in case we need to measure anything <laughs> with any specificity. <laughs> uh, we spoke to the Raven Priest on the way here. He, yeah, uh, yeah. he told us where, he told us the, the location of the bar with the best ale and the lustiest wenches. Uh, but that might have just been the potion talking. <laughs> uh, Kevin and Riff were making fun of me because I saw a guy walking down the street and I said, hey, I, that looks like a raven priest. And Kevin said, stop being racist, Zach. That's I, just a Chinese I thought you were guy. talking about a car. Right. It was so a was car with two confused. big red flags on it, which, yeah, that would be confusing because what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Imagine a priest with glow sticks. Oh, like he's a rave. Yeah, he's a oh, raven oh, okay, priest. Okay. okay. You used to be a rave priest, didn't you? Yeah, Weren't you kind one of the, of. the techno I guess lords? you could say that. <laughs> I was one of the guys that did, uh, like, our, our company mainly did speakers, but we'd had some lights, too, and I was mainly in charge of lights when we went to do a show. Until the rave started, then you were in charge of dropping acid and dancing like your <laughs> life depended on it. Yeah, there's not much else to do at a rave when you have to be there from before it begins to after it ends were you allowed to drop acid on duty were uh, you encouraged by your boss to drop acid on duty <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't s- I, w- I don't know about encouraged <laughs> he didn't care <laughs> I mean he it, knew though he wasn't he wasn't my boss I mean we were both it was like two of us and we both had like a half share of the company so oh I see oh it was so when you talk about that company you just mean yourself yeah, are the so this us guy? I mean, I guess this makes a lot more it, sense. Yeah. Like you, you know, you didn't have to, you didn't have to check the insurance documentation for the abandoned rail terminal no. that <laughs> no one had permission to be in before you hooked the lights up. Right. right. Did anyone ever die? 
Not that I'm aware of. Because of your negligence. Did you have Probably to get not. generators to get the power for those kinds of things? Uh, it was, we, we were never the ones throwing the party. We were always contracted by whoever was actually throwing the party. So that, Did you was, get paid? that was always their end. Yeah. Did you get paid in one dose of acid each? <laughs> we got a lot of, like, $1 bills. We were paid in cash. So... So it always came out of whatever they had been wow, paid so, with. I mean, a sufficiently LSD-soaked $1 bill is a lot of payment, <laughs> right? Like you, you, could, uh, you could sell a lot of that on the Silk Road. If you, if you, did you keep any of them? I've heard that if you spend a dollar today, it is extremely likely that at one point that dollar was spent by Caesar. <laughs> you mean it was up Caesar's butt? Yeah, it was up Caesar's butt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess I had heard that about him. Um, I, I, I didn't realize, I did not realize that when you were doing the rave stuff that I only ever talk about in the context of joking and making fun of you, uh, that, that, that was actually an entrepreneurial venture on your yep, part. Did yep. you... it, it went, uh, it went pretty well for, I think we did it for at least two years ish until and that's, that's what you did for a living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until, oh. until, uh, until my partner, Mark, uh, got returned to active air force duty. Huh. Is that the guy that we met in Germany? No, that was um That was another Dave. Air was Force. Dave. Wow. You yeah. have a lot of military friends. Air Force Day. <laughs> yeah, I I uh <laughs> That's that Kevin Klein movie where <laughs> the, the these two guys, Mark and Dave, were in the Air Force together, and I originally met them at a rave that they had gone to. Okay. So. I say you, if, you were, I originally Academy. met them in a jet. <laughs> um <clears throat> did they <laughs> When they were applying for the Air Force, when they were asked if they had any flight experience, did they say, oh, I've been high as fuck. <laughs> I've been to space, man. I am the space man. Um, that guy, so, okay, so the guy that we met in Germany, who was, <clears throat> I remember I had, a, I had a fantastic moment with my cousin that night because your buddy who's in the Air Force was like, you've had two beers. Are you sure you want to drive? And we, my cousin and I sort of looked at each other and then looked at him and kind of went, <laughs> and then went and got in the car yeah. um, and then crashed and my cousin my cousin died that day and uh, it was really sad Dave uh, none of those things Dave happened. used to be a lot wilder but I I don't know I don't know if he had some kind of epiphany where he felt it was important for him to suddenly grow up he felt, or he felt it was important for him to obey the laws of the country that <laughs> he was uh, prepared to die in the service of um, okay so give us your best rave story Huh. How about just a rave story? It doesn't have to be your best. I remember you telling a story about lighting a cigarette off of a laser. That was that was one that I did not personally do, but it was something I had heard about. That might be apocryphal. Although the the power of lasers we occasionally saw that would probably be possible. So I, I'm inclined to believe it. I'm Were they dancing to the I'm Huey Lewis song, would be The able Power to... of Lasers? <laughs> Power, you, I was, I'm surprised that you would be able to put that in a situation where somebody could actually look at it, though. Because like the lasers they, that can do that are they were Yeah, they were typically, eyes. they were um, beamed like pretty reasonably far above the heads of the crowd. Huh. Uh, occasionally, we, our laser was a, uh, was a uh, 500 milliwatt blue-green argon krypton laser. And occasionally we would point it at a laser at a mirror ball because that looked really cool, but in retrospect we probably shouldn't have done that. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm pleased that I don't have any regrets in that regard. <laughs> what, what were some of the environments that these raves occurred in? Oh uh, well, 
let's see. There was one that was in a an event, pretty much took over the entirety of an abandoned shopping mall that was pretty cool that I went to. Um, wow. So instead of like the makeout room and the freakout room and the chill out room, you had like the makeout Dillard's yeah. and the freakout JC Penny. Yeah, pretty much. Neat. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then on the flip side, the worst rave I ever went to was. Uh, also at a mall? No, uh, it was in an unused. It was in the trunk of a car. It was in an unused freeway tunnel. Okay. So it was filthy, and there was nowhere really to sit except on the ground, and the acoustics were impossibly fucked up. There was also nowhere to pee except on the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Were there, like, maintenance tunnels and stuff? Like, I don't know. I didn't explore it that far. Hmm. But pretty much everyone I know, including myself, that ever had a bad acid trip, that nine times out of ten, that was where it was. It was because they took the brown acid at Woodstock. Yeah, <laughs> took the brown acid at Tunnel Vision. Is that what it was called, Tunnel Vision? Yeah. Uh, I wish that was better. <laughs> uh, what's your best rave story, Kevin? I've never been to a rave. I haven't either. It seems like something that I might have enjoyed at a particular time in my life, but that time is gone. I think I would have been terrified that someone would give me drugs. I spent a lot of my life very afraid that someone would slip me drugs that I didn't mm. want before coming to realize later on that there was no fucking way that was ever going to happen. Yeah, also, like the stories about people handing out stamps with acid on the backs of them to little kids and stuff. Well, like I was, was going to say, you spent the, the latter half of your life trying to find someone to give you <laughs> drugs. No. I don't, that kind of drugs <clears throat> scare me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm too high strung. I took ecstasy once and I freaked out. I was like, did you kill somebody? No, I didn't. I just made them turn off the REM monster and play something else. Because you were afraid of monsters? I was. I was like, no, don't let the monster in here. It's going to murder us all. I, as soon as it kicked in, I ran out onto the front lawn of this guy's house. And then it was kicking in for them as they were like, hey, man, um, I understand that you're freaking out because we know you're a fucking spaz. But maybe don't just stand on the lawn when we're all doing drugs in here. So just come inside. It'll be okay. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep grabbing this bag to demonstrate to myself that I can still move my arms. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my buddy, my buddy Ralph was like, stop grabbing my bag, bro. And I was like, but it's so soft. <laughs> that wasn't really what happened. And we listened to Ween, uh, 12 Golden Country Greats, and that calmed me down. Okay. That was pretty good. Yeah, but I don't like drugs. Drugs are no good. They're not, they're not good for, for moms or dads or little kids. But grandma's gran- though. Grandparents, yeah. grandparents. Yeah. grandparents, have all the drugs you want, man. Yeah. Whew. Enjoy yeah. those last few years. Yeah. No, it's I like you make some like these cookies. I've never <laughs> seen this shape before. What do you call this, Grandma? These 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 cookies are shaped <laughs> like <cubes>. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's weird? I ate them, and I am a god. Oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why you guys didn't recognize the Raven Priest for what he was. Right. Uh, you didn't eat yeah. any of my grandma's god cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Should have saved some of those. <laughs> You shouldn't have eaten the kinda, whole batch. Dry. <laughs> uh, have you guys been up to anything? Hmm. I went to PAX. Yeah, you went to PAX. Yeah, this is your show, yeah. buddy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to shut the fuck up now and let you finish doing the show. Okay. How was PAX? It was good. I, it was my first PAX. It was the first time I'd been to that particular uh, video game enthusiast convention. Uh, um, you, you were not at the one that both Zach and I went to? Nope. I have never been there before. I've, oh. I've been to Dragon Con several times, uh, which is often happening at the exact same time as PAX. Mm-hmm. So that's prevented me from being able to even think about going. Um, and I didn't go to any of the early ones. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, like you weren't you didn't start working for me until 2005. Yeah, so when was the first PAX? 2004. Oh, okay. When was the one that we went to? Boy, I don't remember. I went to the first one and the second one and then like three other ones mm. in the middle at some point that I don't remember which ones. But um But yeah, it was never it was always a thing where like I like I'm not even going to tell this story because I don't want to get them in trouble. But but <laughs> basically, I went with I went with the bands and like the, hanging out with them was why I was there because I I sort of didn't ever enjoy it as an attendee. I think if there was a little bit more like Dragon Con, the thing that I would just default to if I had nothing else to do was to go down to the board game room. Yeah. Um, and while there were board games being played at PAX, it was maybe. One twentieth as much. Um, you had a panel, so you had a reason to be there. My, sure. my my feeling about PAX was always that I wasn't, I didn't really belong there as an attendee, and I didn't really belong there as an exhibitor. So I was sort of in this just weird middle ground, and like, eh. I mean, I I liked wandering around and looking at the the various booths and stuff like that, but that was like, I hear the I hear the booth babes there are super hot. A half a day, maybe that 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 was worth that time. So like, you know, I was, I was speaking on a panel about Kickstarters uh, and that went fine. Um, there was, it was, you like, texted me and said that you didn't embarrass yourself. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I don't think so. That's the best we yeah. can hope for. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm not aware of embarrassing myself, which is really what embarrassment's all about. Right. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like Turns I, out you get the photographs back and your fly was down the whole yeah. time. <laughs> I wasn't wearing any pants. <laughs> yeah. You thought they were laughing at your jokes when in fact they were laughing at your wiener wiener. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Polly. <laughs> uh, so I spent a lot of my time uh, just helping out with. Wait, the- do you mean Polly Shore or like a parrot? Yes. Okay. Do I want a cracker or do I want to wheeze some juice? Uh, I got to figure out what this character's motivations are. <laughs> I spent most of my time at the Indie Mega Booth, uh, which is a thing that Kelly Wallach started uh, maybe a year ago. Um, is she the IGDA person that's from here in town? No, that's Corey. Okay. Um, this is, she lives in, Kelly lives in Boston. Okay. Um, she's dating a guy who's in charge of Firehose Games, who's a MIT alum. They were at a Derek Yu's party at GDC is where I met them. Huh. I just realized how much Derek Yu and Derry Q, which is what we referred to Dairy Queen as right. growing up are similar. Okay. <laughs> does he have a little curl on the top of his head? He does. <laughs> yep. It takes a lot longer than you would expect to he's always get wearing, that to stay that way. <laughs> he's always wearing a brazier. <clears throat> a bra- brazier? A brazier, yeah. 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 yeah, his house was lit entirely by sconces. Yep. <laughs> Wait, uh, a sconce is like a, t- a little brazier on the wall, right? Yes, a wall okay. sconce. Or, yeah, or a thing that you, like a bracket that you can put a torch in. Okay. It doesn't even have to have a light to be a sconce? I don't think so. Huh. Anyway, uh, so I spent most of my time at the Indie Mega Booth, um, which was, I don't know, maybe 20 10 by 10 or 10 by 20 booths with the video games. Some of the some of the booths had more than one game, like people shared space with other games, and some so there were like a couple booths that were like 10 by 20 and just one game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the... Was it in- like an especially long game? Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, mini Indie Mini Booth, which was in the middle and featured, had 16 monitors set up each one for a different game. 
um, which was it was a little cramped, especially in the middle of the booth. Like the ones on the outside were fine because they could sort of like the, bleed into where the, 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 the aisles. Micro booth was yes, there in the middle, which was nine <laughs> Game Boy Advance SPs <laughs> with different games on them. Yeah, um, but yeah, it went it, like that seemed to go pretty well. Um, just like almost every booth always had people in it, and there was a ton of press getting like, doing interviews like all the time with all the different cool. developers and stuff. Did um, you get to show Word Realms to anybody? Uh, no, I didn't really show that to anybody. I showed 868 hacked a couple of people. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Um, I didn't have my laptop at the, on the convention floor mm-hmm. at all, and there wouldn't have, it wouldn't have made any sense for me to demo it um, without any kind of promotional materials there because right. I, didn't, I didn't take any. Um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense for us to try to exhibit there in coming years. Boy. Um, I don't know if I could or couldn't disagree with you more. So, um, yeah, I, cause I didn't really know what PAX was until mm. this most recent trip. And I was like, oh wow, this is where we should, we shouldn't, we should have stopped exhibiting at Comic-Con and just spent all of our, uh, it does seem like the place where a lot PAX. of the, a lot of the, the indies are making contacts with each other and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. I got to go to a couple of the indie game developer parties, which was nice, um, and I went to a, I, I would, because I was there under sort of Kickstarter's auspices, I went to a Kickstarter party, which was really great, actually. Cool. Um, you got to hang out with drunk Tim Schafer. I did. It's too bad that uh, Chris Avalon hasn't done any Kickstarters. That's true. Uh, or, you know, he might, he might, uh, what, he's done several, Yeah, actually. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> but he wasn't did, in Seattle, is the problem. Yeah. Did everybody have to kick in a dollar when they came in, and then if they, they got did enough, not. they'd go buy beer? <laughs> they get pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, if we... All right, if we're trying to raise $40 for pizza, and if we raise $40 for a get pizza, if we don't, we're just shooting all of you. Our stretch goals are meat lovers. <laughs> Our stretch goals are chairs. And um, it was actually at this really nice uh, and like, iPad version. bar that had like a back room that was just sort of yeah, an iPad version of pizza. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just nice to go to a couple of much smaller parties that weren't the like man you know giant what would be better if you could industry cut parties pizza just by swiping your finger if you could make a pizza <laughs> bigger by like pinching <laughs> or swiping your credit card <laughs> oh mm-hmm, okay. microtransactions wow yeah. if you could both purchase and cut a pizza with, with a, a credit, credit card. card yeah yeah because that's the thing that you don't really get to because you don't want to get pizza all over your credit card and you usually can't buy cocaine with a credit card okay. so like so I've always wanted to buy pizzas. and cut something with the same credit card okay and I've never really gotten that opportunity I think I think there's a good pizza, pizza is a the crossover yeah hit mm. okay uh, I'll talk about the games uh, that I played uh, right now. Remember when you made fun of me because I was like, don't bother locking the deadbolt? And you were like, but someone could just break into our apartment. And oh, I said, right. no, they couldn't. And you said, I bet I could break into our apartment. And I yeah. said, whatever. No, you can't. And I closed the door and you immediately <laughs> broke into our apartment. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking MIT, man. They just, they, just, they yeah. teach you guys how to hack into abandoned freeway tunnels and put lasers on everything. <laughs> Well, one of those two things is good. <laughs> um, games, yeah. So, so are these is uh, have we have we uh, transitioned into what what we've been playing? I think so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I know. I know. Our listeners have come to crave the structure afforded by our <laughs> right by our strict segment format. So, two games I played this past week that I that were not um, at PAX uh, were eight six eight hack. <sighs> Which is such a good game. So good. That is my... It, it seems good. I don't know. I haven't got... 
You haven't gotten into it yet? Yeah, it hasn't infected me. You might remember us talking about this game when it was called 868-56527 when when Kevin and I were obsessively playing it in March. I think it came out of the seven-day roguelike. Yeah, and uh, the, the iPad release of it is significantly augmented. Yeah. Have you been playing on the iPad? No. Is okay. that what I said? You did. Boy, that's never what I meant. It's iOS. <laughs> okay. Um, it is... It, I mean, it's obviously good to have the game in your pocket um, because it's a, a short... It's like a relatively short sort of roguelike. You can probably finish a game in five or ten minutes. And you can also... I mean, it's turn-based, so you can just close yeah, your you phone. Close if, it, like, yeah. you know, if it's like, oh, the baby's on fire. Um, and it, it works pretty well with the touch controls. Um, yeah, I was... A lot of Smestorp's other games I have found very difficult to play Oh yeah, on the phone. I've bought them all because I just want to give that dude money because he mostly just gives his games away for free. I feel the same way about PopCap <laughs> these days. Ah, uh, boy, no. Uh. <laughs> he, so he said that he made more money on this game in the first day than all his other iOS games have made, I think maybe combined. Huh. I think it is thanks to uh, the efforts of... Uh, enthusiast press well dudes like us sure saying hey everybody but it's also a six dollar game compared to his other games which are like 99 cents what are the other ones uh corrupt and zaga 33 yeah and then i think one other zaga 33 was very similar like zaga 33 is a very uh is a very proto 868 is it yeah it's got it's it's got very similar like move sets um more different kinds of enemies and more different power-ups, but the power-ups are like things that you specifically invoke. Um, yeah, it's the, good. It's a good game. This game is is great. Like every every playthrough is is randomized, uh, so you, it's it's constantly fresh, and there's just always a different sort of number of challenges to overcome. Um, and the graphics are very simple, uh, mm-hmm. but they are they are all sort of meaningful, <laughs> like. Your your avatar. You don't have like a hit point counter somewhere. Your avatar is just a little sort of just gets frownier. Yeah, it's just yeah. a smiling face, and then he's then he's straight faced, and then he becomes a frown. And then if you get hit again, you lose because you only have three hit points. Um, and there's only four different kinds of enemies, but they all have very different behaviors. Uh, yeah, it's like everything that can be true about an enemy in a turn based roguelike. Yeah. Each of these enemies has one of those things that's true. Yeah. About it. There's some that you can't see except when you're adjacent to them. There's some that take more than more than the normal amount of hits to destroy. There's some that move faster. And there's some that can pass through some walls. That, yeah, pass through walls, yeah. yeah. And that's it. Those are the only possible yeah. possible things that could happen. Um, and they can only hit you if they're next to you, whereas you have a ranged attack. Right. So a lot of the game is trying to either keep range uh, on enemies so that you can shoot them um, or just sort of having to funnel them through... Uh, like a choke point kind of thing. Which they can't the ones that can move through walls throw a throw a good wrench in there. Yeah. Um, if you get surrounded, if you have like an enemy in the square to the north of you and an enemy in the square to the east of you, and you don't have some trick for destroying them, then you're fucked because yeah. you can't kill one of them before the two of them combined kill you. Yeah, because it seems like shooting an enemy causes it to miss its turn. It does. But yeah, if you've got more than one guy on you, that's not going to save you. Right. It is so tightly balanced and yeah. so you're cutting so resources well and then you're I, I feel like the most interesting thing about it is that you're you don't get 
score. Yeah, you can for, get through the whole for, game with the zero yeah, points. For, for doing normal stuff, you have to deliberately spend resources to get score. Yeah, score yeah. is a trade-off because so, score, yeah. scoring points either spends precious resources or the way that you sort of power up is by kind of activating these things in the environment that will spawn a bunch of enemies that you then have to deal with. And some of the things in the environment are just worth points. So the way that you end up with a score is by saying, all right, I'm going to spend some resources activating this thing in the environment and then create a bunch of enemies and that I have to kill. Yeah. And all I'm getting for it is points. I'm not getting any new verbs. I'm not getting any... Yeah. I mean, you are getting some resources because... The way that you interact with things is by either shooting them if they're enemies or collecting everything in sort of a plus around you, yeah. which is a limited... Those collections are a limited resource. They're called which siphons. Apparently also increase the rate at which enemies natively spawn, which yeah. I did not realize, but yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Ah, so fucking good. Yeah. 868-hack. Yep. Buy it if you have an iOS device. For six bucks, it is... Totally, totally fucking worth it. Yeah, it's super, super great. Um, and then the other game that I am playing is called, have been playing, is called Sokobond. Um, it is sort of a very modern take on Sokoban. Um, is it like Sokoban James Bond? Yes. Uh, it's, it's a spy version. It's not like James of, Pond, <laughs> the debonair frog. Sokopond. Uh, you basically have control of a, of a particular element um, or a particular instantiation of an element, and you're moving through a grid trying to make a molecule. Um, and you have... It starts out very simple. It's just collecting the other atoms sort of in a configuration that makes sense. Is this an iOS one? Yes. No, sorry. It, it will eventually be iOS. Um, right now it is PC only. Um, but it is it is a really clever puzzle game because it, it, it starts out with, with those kinds of constraints and the first couple of puzzles are not that complicated, but then it starts adding a bunch of of sort of tweaks where like you can break bonds between two, two uh, elements so that lets you move stuff around potentially in certain spaces. Um, it lets you... Your orientation is fixed, so there are some things that let you rotate um, around corners. Hmm. There are things that let you add additional bonds. So that some you know some uh, chemicals, some compounds have um, double bonds or triple bonds or whatever, and so you have to have some mechanism for actually making those. Do any of them have gold bonds? They don't. They don't. They will maybe cure your foot fungus. Um, but it's it's just it's a it is an incredibly well conceived puzzle game hmm. um it's by one of the guys that developed it is was also the behind stickets that sort of minimalist puzzle game that with the the three squares putting them on a field with the different colors red yellow and blue you might not have played that i talked about it i talked about it a couple of months ago um so yeah those are, two, those are the two games independent of uh packs that i played um the game that i enjoyed the most at packs was also a puzzle game. Uh, it's called Lost Toys. Um, it is coming out in October. Uh, it's developed in Unity. It's going to be, an, I think, iOS, maybe Android game. It's a touch device game. Um, and it is, the atmosphere of the game is very much like Zenbound, where you have an object and you're sort of manipulating it in space. Okay. Um, but instead of like trying to surround it with a string, which is what Zenbound is doing, um, it, it it's like these wooden toys that, which have been split on various axes like a Rubik's Cube. Um, and have been scrambled, and then you have a limited number of moves to return them to the original configuration, but they don't tell you what the toy is. So oh, part wow. of it is figuring out what it should look like, and the other half is actually manipulating it to get 
to get it into its proper shape. Huh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat. It I'm, looks really good. I'm not big into Rubik's Cube style puzzles, but that sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, each, to, to see your desk, I would not conclude <laughs> that you are not big into Rubik's Cube style I mean, puzzles. you like them mm. aesthetically. Or do people just uh, yeah, buy those yeah. for you because it's like I mean, a thing that they learn that you like, and so they're like, oh, Riff likes puzzles, I'll I, buy him this fucking I thing. I only have one Rubik's Cube on my desk, and it's that crazy off-centered mirrored one. Where the fuck do all these other Rubik's Cubes come from? Oh, they're not mine. Oh, no, wait, I do own a second Rubik's Cube. It's an entirely black one. Whose 5x5 Rubik's Cube is that on top of the popcorn machine? I have no idea. Oh, come on, that's got to be yours. Nope. It can't not be it yours. It can't They're, not be yours. It right? can't not be yours. It, is, it has to be yours. It's yours. It was right? a, pretty I'm think, sure it's not mine. I think it must have been given to you and you don't even know. Huh. This house is full of gifts. This house is full of nature's bounty and you don't appreciate it at all. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, hey, sorry we fucked up all of your shit today. Did you even notice? Oh, yeah, the air conditioner being missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool. Do you actually use that? Uh, I have not used it. This summer, and okay. I don't think I used it the previous Summer's summer. Summer's almost over. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think you were using it because it was not in a place where the tray for emptying the condensation right. was accessible. Right. So I was like, I don't think he's using this, so I'm going to go waste a tremendous amount of energy being an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so your plan for this is so, so ill-advised. It totally works. It totally works. Uh, so what, I have a I have an area in my house that is outdoors. It's like a screened-in patio where I go out to smoke cigars. And uh, so so open effectively yeah, to the elements. I'm just air conditioning uh, the outside. Uh, yeah, nice. That, my plan is to air condition Cost the outside. Effective. It is. You run the thing and it blows cold air on you, and you're like, cool, <laughs> cold. So did your swamp cooler just not work? Or? No, it's it's fucking terrible. That huh. swamp cooler was a huge waste of money, and it's been a waste of all of the effort that I've ever put into to managing it. Interesting. Yeah. Obviously, you need to refill the swamp. Yes, that's an excellent point. Have you? Is your swamp empty? Maybe that's the problem. Cool swamper. Uh, so <laughs> that's a good name for a video game. Another cool game. Cool swamper. Another. It's game. like a sequel to Frogger. <laughs> that I played at. Well, it was like James Pond <laughs> jumping from lily pad to lily pad. Was called Gravity Ghost. Uh, it is I've heard game. a lot about that, but I don't Have know you? anything about it. Yet. It's a game by Aaron Robinson. She's local, actually. She um, she is dating Steve Swink, who's uh, working on Scale. Um, like he's where, like he is in the union. The, yeah, the, he's in, in the union, and their game they were making is also called Scale. Um, and is so, there, gravi- is there an indie game devs union? There is. We got to get into that so we don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't. There's the IGDA, which is uh, very specifically not a union, um, and it's also not really a professional organization or anything. Can you get insurance through the IGDA? I don't know. Actually, you might be able to. Can you get discounts at Hardee's? <laughs> Uh, so Gravity Ghost is it's Carl's Jr. out here. A game where you are question, jumping off <laughs> of these little planetoids, and they have gravity, and you are collecting um, little objects in space, and then you're exiting through a door and going to a different level where there's more more little planetoids so like, or moving is it planetoids like that or stuff. Flash game, they must be fed or um, whatever that thing was called. I don't know. It, it, it was reminiscent of some flash games, but it's it seems like it's got a little more going on. And or it's that well known flash game, Super Mario Galaxy. Sure. <laughs> um, Are you a ghost? You're. I don't know exactly. I only got to play through a handful of levels before because I was playing it at the very end of a day when um, you didn't know whether or not you were a ghost while you were yeah, doing it. No, what does your dude look like? It's just some sort of. Uh, it's like a little kid wearing a sheet with two no, eye holes. It's kind of like a. It's like a a woman who's got some sort of like trail following behind her. But the interesting so thing like about a maybe the game, translucent ectoplasm. Is it a woman uh, who is a like just say the top half of a skeleton? No. 
So it is not. Uh, I, is it a sort of a banshee librarian? Yes, it's a banshee librarian. <laughs> um, uh, is it a sort of a gluttonous, uh, like a green, uh, like a like a glob with arms? He likes hot dogs. Yes. Are the things that you're collecting hot dogs? Yes. <laughs> Do you have to go from different <laughs> hot dog planets to other hot dog planets and libraries? Yeah. And then uh, the, there's a scene with a scary zombie cab driver. Right. This sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you cannot like you can't die in the game. There's apparently in the very early builds there was <laughs> because a, you're a ghost. <laughs> in the very early builds there was a way to like you know get crushed between planets or whatever. Um, hmm. But in the in the the final version there isn't. Um, and so it's just it's just sort of like a, a thing that you play with. It's like almost almost more of a toy in some ways. I mean there's goals, so it's mm-hmm. it is a game. But um, it was really I Wait, was enjoying are they goals or are they ghouls. <laughs> I was enjoying just sort of jumping around and playing around with the the objects in space, which was cool. Um, Riff, you're just happy because I'm doing this to somebody other than you. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to play Samurai Gun uh, again for a little bit. We saw people having a tremendous amount of fun with that during GDC. GDC yeah. yeah, and so uh, that has come a tremendous way. Like it's it's only been a couple of months since GDC, but it is it is much slicker um, in a lot of ways. The level design has been tightened a lot. The the gameplay is is very solid. Um, Did you play it at all? A little bit, yeah. Um, I'm not great at it. So the Samurai Gun is a it's game like only local co-op. It's yeah, only it's local, four player local I mean, co-op. I mean, co-op. It's like local. Well, yeah, for, for local local. Yeah, PvP. Um, it is. You play a little samurai dude. You get three bullets per life. So you have you have a gun, but it is mostly sort of jumping around in these sort of interesting, interactive, and somewhat destructible environments, all on a single screen. Um, and just you are trying to rack up 10 kills uh, okay. to win. If you are tied with another player at the very end, you have like a, a 1v1 sort of showdown. Um, it's cool. The level design is really solid. Uh, it, like they're all different, very different and very interesting. Sometimes they wrap around from top to bottom. So if you fall through the bottom, you come through the top or whatever. Um, sometimes there's like these moving stones that you can get trapped underneath and die. Hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's really, there's a lot going on. It's just, it's neat. It's it's I think it is a cool game. I I wonder how there's been a lot of like local multiplayer games in the indie scene. I feel like recently like um, Nidhogg, Sports and... Friends, and uh, Towerfall and stuff. So like I'm I'm curious if this is a space that's actually going to do well like commercially or not. So maybe it'll usher in a new era of arcades where there will be bars oh. with games like this set up for drunk dudes to play Nidhog against each other. Pretty great, actually. I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I played a little bit of that. I played uh, some Galaxy. So this is from Seventeen Bit Studios. Um, it is like it's sort of like uh, the little bits that of it that I got to play were kind of like an, an even more involved and, and complex. Um, Asteroids, the RPG, because you're in a spaceship, you're flying around, you're shooting stuff, you're collecting resources from blowing up, re- you know, uh, asteroids. There's other ships and stuff like that, but it has a very sort of anime-informed um, aesthetic. Did you ever play Blasteroids? I did not. It is an arcade game that is very much like a like an RPG Asteroids. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was fun, and I'm excited to see sort of where it goes. It sort of sounds like Space Miner, which is like your favorite iOS game. Yeah, it, well, and it, it was similar to that. It wasn't the same sort of like 
goofy writing and it wasn't it's not exactly like asteroids where you're stuck in the center of the screen and everything sort of revolves around you um so it's it's a little different than that um i'm sure so it's like see. if galileo got a hold of asteroids right right um not i played everything revolves around you galileo I, I got to i did not play but i got to watch a bunch of people playing uh crypt of the necrodancer they ha- I don't know if you guys have heard about this at all. I think I've heard the title. I don't know what it is. It is. So it's. I think it might be a roguelike, or I'm not sure if the levels are procedurally generated or if they are set, um, but it is um, a, a sort of dungeon-delving game where you <clears throat> there is a beat track, and you are, if you move in time with the beat, you have all these advantages, like you can like you can heal up if you if you hit the the beat a bunch. Um, enemies move on the beats so Hmm. you have to be aware of that when you're going to try to attack them and that kind of thing um and it's got a really good soundtrack by um danny baranowski and it looks it's just it's like it's cool looking um and the at at pax they were playing it on a ddr pad nice which was really cool (laughs) i mean how else you just i mean there's they were also they also had demos that you played on a keyboard right because you can you can just map like a those. computer keyboard or like a uh, like a rock band keyboard like, a rock like, a, band like the keyboard. kind of keyboard <laughs> like like our favorite band rush computer plays. computer keyboard uh, could you play it like with a guitar hero guitar i don't know sure i wish there were more games that used a guitar hero guitar I, basically what i want is for the time that i spent developing a, a crazy modicum of ability to play guitar hero to not have just been a total fucking waste of time <laughs> is there is there any other activity in life that that would be a good analog for um, let's see. I mean, I guess it has marginally increased my crapo bapo abilities. <laughs> no, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm trying to think of like whether there's some sort of activity where a bunch of like manual dexterity with your left hand and then like a beat sense with your right hand. Yeah, like crapo bapo. Okay. Yes. Listeners <clears throat> unfamiliar with the ancient martial art of crapo bapo uh, are going to be confused. Here's how it works. You walk up to somebody and then you pretend to do something with your left hand, like, oh, I'm putting a book on a high shelf. And you get them to look at your left hand and then you say, and you punch them in the dick with your right hand. That's how that martial art works. And I have to say that I'm really good at Crapo Bapo and I'm also kind of good at Guitar Hero. So I think maybe that, yeah, that worked. Well, sure, yeah. So never mind. Never mind. It was not a waste. You got that extra dexterity in your left hand. Yeah, I can pretend to do all kinds of complicated things. Like, look at me. I'm making a Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Yeah. at PAX, there was also a small, like, classic arcade game room. Um, and they had a couple of games that I had never seen before, one of which was called U-235 Meltdown. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. No. It is uh, It is not a video game. It is a sort of physical game where there is a sort of ping pong ball in a uh, glass tube. And you have you control how much sort of air flow is in the tube, so you can sort of you you have a control over where the ping pong ball sits in the tube, and then it has a ring outside of it that is like a containment field or whatever, and you're trying to keep it inside the ring as it moves up and down the tube, um, while occasionally scoring bonus points by hitting a button that's up at the top of the tube when it's lit, huh. right? So it's like you can't just sort of get good at tracking with the thing because in order to progress you need to you need to get all the bonus points from the the thing up top um it's neat it was pretty cool what is the output like what do you mean the is output? there a, is there a screen is there is it audio that's explaining to you what you're supposed to do it is just a ball in a tube like no, a but i'm saying how do you know 
How do you know what your score is? When you're doing is? well, how do you know what your score is? There, oh, there is a there is a like a, a bunch of like seven segment display type readouts on the left that is your scores, score to proceed to the next track, time left, that kind of thing. So it's all Okay. Yeah. There's just like electronic electronic display off behind um what's going on. While you're playing, I don't know that you're worried about score per se. This sounds more like a ticket redemption game kind of yeah thing. like it's like that thing where yeah. it's like the led jump rope that you have to jump over it was it was pretty satisfying because it, it was something that I like i started out and i was just terrible at it and i got way way better after playing a couple times um the controls are very sensitive which you know that might vary from machine to machine i don't know how many of these things exist anymore i mean is it like bernoulli is, is in terms it, of the ball air jet yeah because i mean yeah. that's I think it would have been interesting as a biofeedback game, like having to do the same thing, but just with, you know, your Mental stress response. Energy. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Just, I feel like physical principles like that have have a tendency to accentuate accentuate like overcorrection. Right. Right. So yep. you know, it's 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 way harder to do that than if it was a video game version of making a ping pong ball be at a right. certain level where someone had actually made the decision to design this system to make it like friendly. Sure. You know, so when you're when you're actually dealing with like, oh, this is just how this object behaves in the real world, like, you know, the real world is where we acquire mastery of things, right? right. So it's. Uh, I played a I played a video game called Exerion, I think. Um, it's it was sort of similar to Galaga. It is. You know, you've got like a ship and there are enemies which fly in in sort of these formations. Um, you have two different kinds of weapons, one of which is a sort of gun that fires rapidly and one is a pair of missiles that you can launch. Um, it seems like the gun that fires rapidly he has some sort of like cool down timer after you've used it for a while. So it's, it is the go-to weapon for most situations until you can't use it anymore because it's overheated or whatever. Um, it seems like a really good game and I don't know why I had never heard of it before. Um, it has some of like some banking built into when you turn, so it's not quite as reactive as like a Galaga, huh. where you're just moving a sprite around the screen or whatever. It's like got a little bit more lag between you deciding to do something and it happening, which was screwing me up a lot at the early parts of the game. Like a ping pong ball in the real world. Yes, um, but that was cool. Uh, and then also not at PAX. Actually, I played a couple of um, a couple of other games. I played a uh, Brawl and Sailor. I don't know if you looked at that at all. I saw you playing it here in the office. Yeah, it's it's very short, uh, maybe five minutes long. Um, like a hand drawn beat 'em up is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it was like it's like a flash game that's that's got like a, a neat, a kind of a neat like line art style where just just like black and white, um, uh, and then it's got sort of a neat, interest, sort of central conceit to it, which I don't want to spoil, um, which is kind of just worth playing. It's it's a neat little story, um, and then I. I, you know, people keep recommending these uh, candy box likes, and somebody um, recommended gold and gems. Did you play that at all? No, nah, I never heard of that one. Uh, it is not good, really. It is. It's another sort of game that is trying to like sort of capitalize on that that craze. Without, I don't like. I mean, they, all these games I say capitalizing because they're they're not really making any money or anything. Um, this one was sort of the opposite of Cookie Clicker, where the systems for generating the resources were pretty uninteresting, but it had a long and involved set of dungeons to delve in. Okay. Um, but the dungeons weren't that exciting. You had very minimal control. Like it was just a predetermined path. You didn't control your guy at all. All you could do was use resources, all of which had um, 
cooldown timers. So it was just a question of sort of trying to maximize the use of your your resources. Some of, you know some of which were like healing potions. Candy and, box was like that too. It? Well, but there were like it, it never repeated the same style of dungeon. Okay. This was twenty of the exact same style of dungeon. Uh, okay. Right. So like, I think that's what people don't understand is like candy box was all about the novelty of systems. Like like mm-hmm. each tier of of thing that you uncovered was just a new layer and different kind of way of approaching stuff. Whereas a lot of these games are just making something and then just making 20 times right. the, the, the same thing. I mean, I think that speaks to Candybox having been, oh, I should learn JavaScript and maybe make some goofy game as opposed to the other ones, which are like, oh, Candybox was good. I should make a thing that's like that and like plan it out. And like, oh, well, I'll have five levels that do this as opposed to, like with Candy Box, it was like, well, what can I do next that's different? Well, right, but I mean, that's also what gave it its charm and, and like piqued yeah, so many people's interest. No, and that's why it's good. I, like a dark room was really atmospheric and also mechanically interesting because yeah. it, it added that whole like sort of procedurally generated open world right thing, which and, was surprisingly and, good. Like it was a surprisingly good like little mini rogue. Like you're nervous that I'm gonna get shoe goo in your in your pink juice, huh? Well, no, <laughs> just. <laughs> Isn't isn't shugu poison at this time of year? <clears throat> That's a different thing. What? <laughs> shugu is a is a product that you can buy at uh and it's only poisonous at certain times of the year. Yeah, yeah. well it's uh, well it depends on the the skill of the chef. <laughs> right, right. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Shugu and liquid nails. Uh, shugu is like the really. It's like liquid nails for shoes. Okay, so you, <laughs> you know, like a like a cobbler uses real nails. If you want to walk a up the wall, a shitty cobbler uses liquid nails. <laughs> and then somebody who doesn't know anything about fixing shoes but doesn't want their shoes to be fucked up anymore uses shugu. Okay, I think it is a product that is designed for when the sole comes off of your shoe to okay. glue it back on, and then it becomes a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. Good. What about you, Zach? Um, yeah, eight six eight hack. Still been playing a ton of Hearthstone. Okay, uh, Rift just got into Hearthstone. Just started beta. that. I'm in yep. the middle of the the fight with Illidan in the tutorial stages. I am still really enjoying it a lot, and I can't wait for it to launch so that I can spend all my money. And I'm sorry, guys, you don't have jobs anymore. Are you? Do you think that you will actually spend a bunch of money playing it? Ah, uh, so. I imagine that what I will do is I will give him 50 bucks, give him 50 bucks, get the cards that that 50 bucks gives. And then a handful of times I will pay $2 to play an arena season or whatever. But then I'll just, you know, it to me, the amount of engagement that allows you to do stuff without giving them any money is about the amount of engagement that I want from a game. It's like. I'm in this just sort of routine now where it's like, all right, so every day I play like a couple games of Spelunky, I do the Spelunky Daily Challenge, and then I play a couple games of Hearthstone, and then I do this, the Hearthstone Daily Quest. And that's fine. Right. Because I, I don't get burned out on it, and it doesn't cost anything to do it that way. Do you think that, that these games are trying to be put themselves in a space where it's sort of like a ritual gameplay situation? Hmm. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it occurred to them to... To think frame of it, that, it way? that way. I mean, I feel like with Hearthstone, what my, you know, my sense of of the guy, you know, Eric Dodds, the guy that we know who, who who built it, is that he doesn't want to make something that's sort of like unethically grindy or exploitative, 
right? But sure. so he wants to make he wants to make a tra- like a, a collectible game that is that encapsulates all of the things that probably made him like Magic the Gathering in the mid '90s, right? Before before so many other people capitalized on on sort of psychological principles to make things that were gross and and unpleasant, and it was like, well, let's just do something that you know embraces the fun of this kind of thing and it's the 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 sort of gold that you earn from grinding in hearthstone is meaningless right you it costs a hundred gold to get a pack of cards and you get one gold for winning a fight and it's like how dare you make me grind a hundred games no 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 this is so you won't do that (laughs) this is so you will play less why give a gold at all I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that maybe they didn't to begin with, but then people were like, "Fuck this! I want something for yeah. winning," and they were like, "Fine." When I feel like winning should have some kind of reward. Well, you level up your dude, mm. and for a while you're unlocking new basic cards that you have access to on a dude. But it takes, you know, I mean, it takes a hundred fifty games maybe to level up every class to the point where you've unlocked all those cards. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, to me, it's like the fact that you get one gold for winning a winning around means pretty clearly like if that's not enough for you, you shouldn't be doing it, right? So I'm gonna play as many games as are fun, which is you know four or five a day, and the 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 quest that you get, which sometimes takes two fights to to complete, and sometimes you know it, if you're really bad, it could take ten, I guess, but that gives you forty gold. Yeah. Right. So, so it's like, so yeah, all right. So, so I can obviously my... the intention is that you get your gold for cards that way and not via. <laughs> I mean, I feel like but Eric... you get one quest a day. Yeah. Yeah. But and you... I feel like Eric was probably pretty excited about three, the original two and a half days conception and... of the rest system in World of Warcraft, which fucking so was I. Mm-hmm. That was fucking great. But but the teeming masses just rejected it, which I guess means it's not great. It's great for assholes like me. But it's. You know, the forums are just filled with, Jesus Christ, you idiots, one gold is not enough. You should make it at least, like, 30. It's like, ugh, for mm. fuck's sake. Like, this is why. The, like, this do, is like a case that. study in why you don't listen to feedback. They could that. do that, but then the packs of cards would have to cost 3000 <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it's that... Um, what's what's the uh, what's the term there? The... the, the mm, the an- anticipation of getting something in the future delayed gratification delayed gratification i think i feel like delayed gratification is something that's good in games but it's hard to get gamers to recognize that i wonder if they just multiplied all the numbers by 10 if that would allay yeah. at least some I was, of the i was in the process of of, of thinking that just now yeah because um, getting one of something when the cost is a hundred feels quantitatively different even though it is not to getting 10 gold when something costs a thousand but get something that costs a thousand is way more expensive than something that costs a hundred no matter what the scale is yeah like that's uh, it, it is but there if everything in the game if they just number multiplied all the numbers by 10 in terms of the economy i, I would, get I, look look you know as well as i do that that shit does not fly when you when you do it to a population of gamers. No, but I'm saying that it, I'm, it, I'm thinking that the population might actually be more favorable. Yeah, I I know you are because you you believe that it is equivalent. But I I think that doing that now I, I'm saying I, I know that it is equivalent, and I'm saying psychologically it might be 
preferable. But I, d I, d I don't think that it would be. Why? Well, to someone who had never seen the old system, it would be. That's what I'm saying. It would probably be. Yeah, you're probably right about yes. that. Because I, yeah, I mean, if you, it, but, yeah, but I think it's too late, right? Like that's well, although you know, let me say, the game is still in nobody's very limited nobody's beta. pissed off about. It. I, people like me knew about the old WoW Rest system before WoW came out. Right. That was a long fucking time ago. We're old Ten as years. <laughs> You're old as fuck. Um, I don't remember if that. I don't remember if the Rest system is it because you're old that you don't remember things. State when the when the open beta happened. It had to have been when there were some people playing, right? Because it was a player uproar that caused them to change it. Yeah. Bad, bad system. Bad system. Rest. I, I don't know that, you know, I feel like they could have had the exact same system just framing it as a reward instead of a punishment. That's what they fun. did. But it wasn't the exact same system. Well, right? Yeah, okay. It, there, were, there were fewer layers of it, right? I mean, because yeah. the way that it was to begin with, it was like you started out getting 4x experience for, you know, an hour a day, and then you got 2x experience for an hour a day, and then you got 1x experience for like four hours, and then you started getting half experience and then quarter experience or right. whatever. And then they changed it to a thing where it's like, nope, you get 2x for some amount of time that accrues, yeah. and then 1x. But to me, I never ever wanted to play not in rest because it just felt like a bad use of my time. And so it was like, it's like, how do we, how do we satisfy the people who are overly committed to this? That's so interesting in the sense that like, I'm, while, you know, leveling was cool and all, like, I just wanted to see all the content. I didn't really care. So did I. I just, I can't turn off that, like, I can't do quests in an MMO if I get nothing in exchange really? for them. Hmm. Yeah, I just can't do it. Wow, I did, I like, I just had no problem going and doing all the gray quests. Yeah. I mean, it was just like a tiny bit of gold or like some, this is like a hat that you don't care about, but it has a cool model or something would be but you a got reward. To, but you got to read some new text. Sometimes yeah, people I would just, do cool things. I, I can't shut off the part of my brain that, that Fascinating. needs something in exchange for the thing that I've done. Even if it was just like some handful gold. of confetti. Because you don't get, like, if you are level maxed, yeah. you get gold for doing quests. You get, but yeah. You, you, don't get, converts, you don't get gold for gray quests. Like, it. Right. It will convert the experience to gold. So if you're getting zero experience, you don't get any additional gold. Well, but no. Like, if you're level 40 and you do a level 10 quest, you get nothing for it. Well, you get the, the whatever pittance of gold they're, like, you know, the, well, okay. the 10 copper that they were going to give you anyway. Okay. Um,. I also tried, uh, sir, you are being hunted and, yeah. uh, you more not, or less the same experience. You were hunted, got. not understanding that at all. Like it seems really cool. Sir, mm -hmm. sir, uh, you are being shot like a fish in a barrel. The, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, it seems like there are cool systems and it's mm -hmm. like, I like a procedurally generated survivally kind of environment. Did but you it's get like, that sort of tension, that survivally feeling that it's yeah, did to you evoke? feel freaked out? No, because because it is either there is nothing here and you are maybe gathering some, you know, useless dog poop or whatever, or there is a thing that you might be interested in, but if you get close, you will immediately aggro five dudes and then you might as well just restore from your last save because that's what's going to happen eventually anyway. Hmm. Like, hmm. it, I do not understand what the basic 
sort of principles of engagement with this game are because yeah, I feel there's it's like definitely... you can either go you can either go nowhere or you can go where there are robots and then you die. Yeah, there there's there's got to be some way to deal with the robots that we just haven't figured out yet. That we haven't we you haven't breached that, that learning curve. And maybe there isn't, right? Like maybe it's the the, the it's alpha, right? So maybe the first systems they built are <laughs> the robot attack systems okay. and Yeah, that. but nobody would be playing nobody would be talking about it if everybody was having the experience that we are. Yeah. Although, I mean, what are we doing right now? But yeah. You know, like I've, I've definitely heard about people being able to not get the upper hand, but being able to survive for a well, while. Well, no, but it's like you get, so it's like you got it. The goal of the game is to find these like 12 meteorites or whatever, mm-hmm. and you get one, and it is trivial to get because it's the tutorial. And it's like, all right, go get another one. And the second one, I, nothing in my experience leads me to believe that I will ever get it. Hmm. So it's it's like not. How much patience do you have for games like this, which don't? sort of make themselves immediately available for you? Like, if the systems are relatively obfuscated. So, for this one in particular, like, the fact that getting killed by these robots means losing probably 10 minutes of progress, like, fucking zero patience. Interesting. And so, it's, you know, I've logged an hour in this game, and until somebody, until, until I read somewhere the trick to accomplishing fucking anything in this game, I think I'm not playing it anymore. Huh. Like, I don't regret buying it, I guess, but, yeah, I just, that like, I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm not, you know, Spelunky is hard, but I could imagine myself overcoming most of the challenges that I'm aware of that Spelunky can throw at me. Mm -hmm. This was like Miasmata, where it's like, okay, like, I do not understand how this triangulation works, so the first time I get lost is the last time I ever have any fucking idea where I am, and it's just game over. Like, and I, I don't, I don't understand the basic elements of what it means to achieve any sort of, even even like rudimentary proficiency at this game. And so I'm just, you know, this is not for me. Right. And like, there are a lot of things like that. Like I'm not ever going to be a baseball player. Right. And it's like, maybe I would have fun playing catch with someone who was real shitty at playing catch. It's like, it's like Dota. Right. (laughs) I would like to understand why Dota is good, but like, fuck that. Fuck that entirely in its ass based on everything I've ever heard of it. That is just a thing. It's like, I feel like needs to make a, just like they did with the just a casual zombies. Dota. They, yeah, like huh. they made they made a super casual tower defense game, and it was like the best thing ever. They need to make a super casual MOBA game. I don't even know what MOBA is. Multiplayer online battle arena. Okay, I like Loma better. Yeah, because that that's more relatable. I suppose. But yeah, I, I, you know, listeners, let us know what the fuck would say you are being hunted because it, it's 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 got it's got a ton of character and charm yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to get into it but it's do the robots talk to each other hard. with english accents like yeah yeah quiet. they 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 bleep at each other and and do the you know i don't know i, I can't think of a relevant quote but so yeah, like one got the, those tinny british accents that's one right. of the handful of things that you have at your disposal that you can get from the just like sort of garbage 
like every point of interest on the map is being patrolled by robots, mm-hmm. basically. There are things that you can go to, like a single lone farmhouse where you will find some rags that you can use to make bandages and maybe you will find some food and then you find things that you can throw to distract the robots. And I was like, right. oh, okay. So that's the trick. You throw these things to distract the robots away from the places where you can get better stuff. But as far as I can tell, you cannot throw a bottle further than the robot's like detection distance. Huh. So in order to be able to th- meaningfully throw a bottle, I have to get close enough to a robot that it can see me, and when a robot has seen me, it is just fucking game over. Do you have a sense of their their detection You know distance? what direction they're looking because their eyes glow, but... So can you not get behind a robot and throw the bottle off to the side there's never just one robot Mm. there's always like a pack of them and i always get seen by a robot that i didn't even know was there i mean part of it is just me being shitty at video games and me being specifically really shitty at stealth games they wander around a lot they they don't did you guys find they don't they don't tend to stand and look in a particular direction they like meander and so they they tend to be look they tend to if if they are not at the moment looking at you they're going to be looking at you pretty soon okay Beyond that, I just had to uh, stop playing Saints Row 4 because yeah, yeah, because the my um, oh your save file got corrupted. Yeah, whenever mm-hmm. I well, I load the thing and I go to load my save and it just crashes to desktop. That, that sucks. sucks. Yeah, I have no idea. But like, I so don't want to start over. Hmm. Like, and you only have one save file. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I could. I maybe there's something else on that menu that lets me load a game. But I like. Hmm. I've been waiting to play it on. PC because I've heard that it on the consoles it really chugs so I'm thinking uh, my my video card is pretty recent so it probably handle it a little better Jenny but... playing it on the PS3 and it's um I don't know it seems all right yeah I haven't really noticed but I haven't watched her play it for any extended period of mm-hmm. time but yeah I don't know I mean it, you know it's it's possible that I could get it to work again somehow. I mean, you know, maybe there's just a load game option on that menu that I just didn't see the first time because I was drunk or whatever. But, uh, you know. Because the brownies hadn't installed it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's all. Okay. Uh, I played a couple of iPad things. What was it? Okay, so... Uh, well, I played I played two things of note. Uh, one thing called Unmechanical, um, which is a sort of a 2D physics puzzler adventure. It's uh, imagine the art style of Bacchanarium, but done in 3D with the Unreal Engine. Huh. And so it's 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 really sort of two and a half D because it's got. 3D with like the depth of the backgrounds and everything, but you're moving in a single plane and you're the. So it's like Time Pilot? Uh, you know, I'm not really familiar with Time Pilot. That was a joke about you being in a plane. Oh, okay. So gotcha. it's like Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, you're you're this little helicopter robot who one day frolicking in a field falls down a tube into what appears to be some sort of abandoned mining complex or something. And it's. Um, you know, typical physics puzzler puzzle, puzzle, physics puzzler puzzles of the sort where, like, he's got a little uh, 
tractor beam so you can pick up a rock that isn't too heavy and hover it over to a button to drop the rock on it and open the next door. Okay. That, that sort of thing. The, the puzzles are not really interesting yet. Um, I've, I'm not very far in it, I don't think. But it's uh, it's really pretty and it handles really well. The touch controls are satisfying and when you accidentally knock the robot into a wall, he makes a satisfying little noise. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's worth looking at, and it uh, it was free when I picked it up. I, I don't know if it's still free or how long it's going to be free because I think it just came out. But if uh, if it's still free or inexpensive, it's definitely worth looking at. the The thing that I played that I thought was particularly interesting is called Black Bar. Oh yeah, I've heard about this. I was not. I tried to buy that, but I couldn't because I have not yet updated my phone to iOS six. Ah. Yeah. So it's. Um, it's like a it's a story told through letters. Uh, you you've got Aren't all stories told through letters. <laughs> well, like the letters that this friend is writing to you, and she has gone to work for some sort of uh, um, mini truth sort of organization, sort of 1984-ish kind of organization, and they're censoring the letters that she sends to you. So there'll be certain words in the letter will be marked out with black boxes. And the gameplay... So like black bars. Black bars, yeah. And the gameplay is to type into each of these boxes what that word is. So you have to figure out from the context of the the sentences what what these words are that have been blacked out. And then once you've figured all of them out, then you go on to the next letter. And are you sure? Or does it just let you type in whatever and then you go on and it adjusts the story accordingly? <laughs> this, this girl sure does, sure does write about a lot of dicks. <laughs> well, that would be interesting. But no, it's uh, when you get the word right, it locks it in. Okay. So. so what the fuck about this game makes it so you have to have iOS 6.1 installed? Like, it's just, yeah, I think that's just the way that it was written, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, it's not graphically intensive whatsoever. It's entirely text and courier font and some black bars. But it's neat. It's a neat little story. It, it It's not long or difficult. Um, you finished it? Yeah, I finished oh. it. It's, it's um, I feel like they could have done a little more with having to read back to previous letters in order to figure out oh, yeah. the context better of the letter that you're on. I was going to suggest but having to read ahead to future letters, like having like uh, You're whole, not allowed to get to right, the future. Because I'm wondering whether that would be interesting or not, like having to just sort of fill in the gaps where you could and then move on and yeah. come back when you figured more out. And that maybe that would unlock additional letters or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so instead of being linear, have it be more... Branching. Yeah, branching, directional. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Or if you could, because after a while, some other characters pop up and start sending you letters, if you could choose to follow hmm. a branch well, and then based my, on the character. The or, joke that I made, but it, maybe that would be a cool mechanic, would be maybe there are three possible words that you can mm, put in, mm-hmm. and depending on what you you decide to put in... Or you know whichever one you find first, it locks that Changes in, and then the story that would be interesting, right? Because yeah. then you know you could your dis- because you're basically providing if as you know if if they build an ambiguity, you are sort of providing the direction. You're bringing in your own biases yeah. about what conspiracy yeah, yeah. is the is the real one. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it starts out. It's just a it's just a black box. Did nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the news, Kevin? Well, um, did you guys see that K- 
Keiji Inafune is uh, did a Kickstarter for sort of a spiritual successor to the Mega Man franchise, yeah. Mighty Number no. Nine. Um, I've been seeing people talking about it, but I have not uh, paid any attention to it. It as we a, a Mega Man game for an assignment. I guess yeah. we did like Mega Man. We did a bunch of them. Yeah. Did we? Yeah, I mean, I remember doing one of them. I wouldn't. Have... Well, well, we played a bunch. Well, the, we for did. one assignment, those of us who are taking this podcast seriously, Riff, <laughs> played several of the versions of Mega Man. Just yeah, to, I so played that we one, two, and contrast the first one, four, six, and ten, or something. Ugh. Um, Mega Man is not my game. We didn't play up to ten out of the like. I could see doing Mega Man X as a sequel or as a, as an assignment someday. Yeah. Uh. So it is. It looks like it's sort of taking the Mega Man sort of gameplay style and expanding it a bunch and doing it in sort of a modern sort of ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the sort of conceptual art stuff that they've got is really cool looking. Um, they, I think, they were asking for nine hundred grand or something like that, and they had as of yesterday they already had over a million and a half with twenty seven days left to go. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to do very well. Um, which is great. I think I think it will be I think it will be exciting um, to see how that unless turns the stretch out. goal is like we're going to make this a ten game franchise. Sure, sure. Um, and then I, I don't know if you guys uh, heard about the um, sort of weird suspicious activity going around this Ouya game called uh, huh. Gridiron Thunder. It's like a football, football game, game for the Ouya football war game. Um, so it had so there is this thing called uh, free the games or something like that. It's a, it's an Ouya promotion where they will match Kickstarter funds right up to two hundred fifty grand as long as you make at least fifty grand and give the Ouya six months exclusivity upon release. Um, and so this game had a seventy five thousand um, dollar threshold to fund. And um, had 153 backers and had $90,000. There were two $10,000 reward people, but if you take even if you take them out, that means that the average donation for the 151 people that were backing it was over $500. Huh. And there was only one person who had chosen a $500 reward, and everybody else that that had chosen rewards was well below that. Huh. So there was some weird shit going on. So, like, the math just didn't add up in the Kickstarter backers? Or, like, is it possible to back things on Kickstarter silently? It is possible to, kick, to back You can give them a bunch of money and, and choose a lower choose, reward and choose, choose no reward. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, the number of... The people that had chosen rewards did not add up to the number of backers. They were... They were that was missing. Okay. Um, and also, so, apparently... I, mean, I didn't... The, I didn't guy's, the guy's it. mom made it so well, the thing would fund? There were a bunch of... There were a bunch of new accounts that were pledging that had never backed anything else um, and they all had the same last name yeah. as people. So I don't know if they were just getting a bunch of their family to put money in or or what. It's super interesting. But like to have 153 backers and have two of them be $10,000 backers hmm. is also a little weird, right? Anyway, yeah. Like who's but to for say? For something on Ouya particularly. Yeah. Like the the average so the the average pledge was over six hundred bucks per person, and that's way higher than you know the Ouya was or whatever <laughs> you know it's like 
<clears throat> super weird. Uh, I, I'm just curious to see how that will fall out, if at all, because it's ending in the next day or two. But then did they get that matched for the they, exclusivity well, by that thing? I mean, I mean that's... That, uh, Uya is currently saying that they will, right? Like, no one, no one at this point... It's just a bunch of people being curious about this thing because no one has actually... The project was still up as of yesterday, and... Yeah, no you know. one's levying accusations. It's just, this is weird. Oh, well, Super yeah, weird. I mean, it's the internet. I'm sure someone is levying oh, accusations. <laughs> you know, and I wonder how much sort of internal auditing Kickstarter does. Hmm. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if they're aware of. I, I have seen projects canceled by Kickstarter, by due, Kickstarter. To, due to uh, the creators putting in their own funds. Right. Yeah, they really don't want you to do that. I mean, this one is interesting because it's not only do you get you know the money that people other people have pledged minus the 10% but you get the this doubled mm-hmm. funding right so if you can put in 50,000 of your own dollars you'll lose 5,000 to the fees or whatever but you'll get back $50,000 which is totally worth scamming if yeah. if that's a thing right you know so yeah like having these external incentives to kickstarters seems like it just brings the the potential con men out of the woodwork, you know. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on, see if see how that uh, plays out. Um, and then I just saw something about a study that came out of UCSF about uh, video games and uh, the elderly. Like there was a study published recently about um, I think people between the ages of sixty and eighty playing a video game every day over the course of four years, and how it made their brains like much more resilient good that means we'll be smart forever yay um so i you know that's good news how many spelunky daily challenges are there going to be between now and when i'm 80 that's a good question probably a depressingly low number if you really think about it (laughs) why do you say that i mean it's Uh, because we're old and we're gonna die real soon and it fucking sucks (laughs) (laughs) um i just watched a i watched a talk a ted talk about uh stress and there have been these sort of interesting longitudinal studies about um people who self-reported the amount of stress they dealt with on a daily basis and also their sort of attitudes about stress like whether they thought it was bad for you or not and the people who had a lot of stress and felt like stress was bad for you mm-hmm. had a much higher death rate. Like it increased their chance of dying by a very significant margin, like 30 huh. or 40%. But well, the people, it, their chance of dying is greater than 30%. <laughs> well, cause I imagine it, it becomes like a vicious cycle. Cause if you're stressed out and okay, you so hate that you're stressed out, that makes you more stressed out. Right? How about people who are stressed out, but feel like stress is the only reasonable motivator? Well, no. So there are, there were the people who feel who were stressed out, who had a lot of stress, but felt like stress was was not harmful to you and just was like a positive thing in your life. Um, had had average. They live forever. Yes, they live forever. <laughs> cool. Um, and, po- and in fact, it's possible that having some stress actually um, can make you healthier if you're in like a supportive environment. If you are, if you're sort of providing aid to others or having aid provided to you from other people, it's possible that having stress is actually beneficial. Hmm. When I heard Rob Zombie on uh, the Nerdist podcast, it, A, it just cemented for me again that Rob Zombie fucking rules. <laughs> um, but but he was, he was just sort of talking about like Johnny Carson. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, because they were like, look, you, you know, you're successful. You got you got some money. Like, why are you still busting your ass on all these projects? And he was like, well, because like when you stop having shit to do, you just die. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just sort of what happens. And so I like being alive doing <laughs> shit. So I'm just going to do a bunch of shit. Like Johnny Carson died like right after he stopped doing a show, hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, maybe he had to stop because of his health. But it, there's also the idea that like, yeah, well, I don't have anything to do. I guess I'll just fucking die. <laughs> When you say a longitudinal study, what does that mean? Uh, instead of just having like one instance where you like test somebody on something like that, you you do something and then you track people for for multiple years, okay. right? So like, and when one study was like seven years and another study was I think four years, so they they would like ask they would get thing like you know testing like how much coffee do you drink. And they do a survey every year, like, does how much coffee do right. you drink? And then okay. it's like, all right, so what did this do? Right. Are there significant variances in, like, you know, liver disease versus people who drink a lot of coffee and, and don't? They're they're cool studies, but they also clearly take a lot of time to do. Right. Um, and a lot of money. And, I mean, it re- yeah. sort of relies on the department existing that entire yep. time and yeah. you having a job the entire time. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, the data, as long as the data is being collected, then somebody will come in and... Well, sure. But, I mean, that, like, I feel like in academia... Like the fact that you've been doing this data collection for nine years doesn't necessarily mean anything to the guy that like got you fired because of some bullshit rivalry. And sure, you know, it's interesting because like Melissa just got, you know, her postdoc is with a group that's got like I think 40 years of data on a particular thing that they're doing and like she's just she's at they, they are adding a bunch of additional sort of biological markers to the study to f- moving forward mm-hmm. and so like they're just now starting to collect new data which you know they now want to start doing for another 40 years or whatever so that'll be fascinating wow. to see how that pans out and you were the first well i didn't i didn't actually collect any data from me because it's about right. uh, child mother pairs she was she was talking about uh how they suddenly ran into some trouble where they have to run something by some ethics board and then then i pointed out that it was like well isn't this where all of the horrible things that you hear about in psychology from the 60s sort of happened like stanford prison experiment right like you can see why people in san francisco might be a little trigger happy about ensuring experimental ethics in psychology (laughs) because you don't want to i don't remember where i think milgram was at yale yeah uh, we, we determined but like yeah it's like the the ones that you know about like the the sort of like you know cautionary tales in psychology are like it, I feel like it takes this very specific combination of like slightly unethical research practices <laughs> and it also revealing some really uncomfortable truth about how horrible people are to to make it like a really good controversial study. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the ones where it's like, oh, we killed these guys, but we also sort of cured chicken pox. <laughs> like that's like less of a big deal than, oh, we killed these guys and also everything fucking sucks and everyone you know is a monster. <laughs> like just like that REM song. Hey, so this assignment. Yep. Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Yeah. I did you play you played a little more of it yeah I got to I am let's see I'm at the end of dungeon six trying to find where the boss door is I'm in the middle of dungeon five trying to find the fucking hook shot yeah. I'm riff so I decided <laughs> not to play and I just watched a let's play of the rest of it. I I uh this is kind of a bummer experience for me because this is like one of the very huge nostalgic games from my childhood and playing it again and not nearly enjoying it 
enough to to hold up to that nostalgia. Did you beat it as a child? Oh yeah, many times. Huh. huh. I I have been enjoying most of it, um, but moment to moment, it's it's, it's fun. fun yeah. But yeah, but the how how densely maze like everything is, and the way in the dungeons like this is before. Zelda dungeons had multiple floors, so if you have to get somewhere by going downstairs and then upstairs you don't, again, you don't know. Cause yeah, there's, there's no, no real way to internalize there, it. Yeah, and there's I mean, no I indication mean, sort of Zelda, on the map of where those stairs might be. Zelda one, there kind of wasn't either, but it didn't seem. I mean, it got to the point like when we did Zelda one as an assignment, you know, and actually beat it. Like dungeon nine was. Big and complicated and maze-like, and I feel mm-hmm. like every dungeon in Link's Awakening is as bad yeah. as Dungeon Nine in the yeah. original Zelda, and hmm. that kind of my my overall impression of this game is that it is a really phenomenal game that is kind of hamstrung in terms of its its appeal moving forward by. A handful of decisions, right? Which is that everything needed to be really challenging. Hmm. You know, the, the, I mean, just playing like the combat is pretty easy. The, the just, and it's like easy to say that with save states or whatever. But like, I can understand somebody, you know, the people in the forums who are saying, yeah, the, the, all the fights in this game are really easy. Watching some, watching this Let's Play, there were like eight or nine times where I was just like, yep, that is where I would have stopped. That is where I would have given up because I would not have figured that out. Yeah. The fact with that there's a, this like relatively unsigned-posted FedEx quest, which in some cases gates, yeah, which in some cases yeah. gates like progress is super frustrating. Like I was, God, where was I? I like I kept going back to Marin or whatever to mm-hmm. like get her to to wake up the fucking walrus and she just wasn't doing anything or saying anything. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Nowhere did it mention that I was needed to take the stick to the guy to knock the honeycomb out of the tree mm. to get the honeycomb. So I could take that someplace else. Like, yeah. The fact that you actually have to do that in order to beat the game, I feel like is a huge flaw. Yeah. In I, this. I got to what I think is the end of that. You end up with a magnifying glass. Yeah. And you go to the animal village and there's a Zora in one of the houses and he tells you to go down to the certain beach and talk to another Zora and I just couldn't find him. Huh. Uh, in this walkthrough, I didn't see that. Um, it There is a book in the library in the normal town okay. that with the magnifying glass, you see a thing that tells you how to get through one of those, one of those sort of like... One of those I lost guess, woods. Yeah, places. yeah, yeah. Which, like... <sighs> The Lost Woods is kind of bullshit. And yeah. things like The Lost Woods are kind of bullshit. That don't have and, consistent yeah. internal geometries. Yeah, and yeah. but but it's like I think <clears throat> this that was back before anybody had really decided that though. This, sure. Like, this, this is still this when was not this was in nineteen ninety fucking eight is when Link's Awakening wow, came out. Really? Well the remake of it was. So they, it was ninety three was the I mean, first there are some, one. Okay. There are some fundamental design I mean it came out after A Link to the Past, right? And A Link to the Past was good. 
93 the original came out in? Yeah. Man, it feels way earlier than that to me because 93 is when I graduated. But I think it feels earlier than that from a design standpoint, right? It's not It's not even from a, like, where was I when, the, you know, like, had well, I had my first boner when this game like, came out or I not. played this, like, you know, if you play this on the original Game Boy, you're like, when did I play a bunch of Game Boy? You don't think of it as happening sure. the year you graduated from high school, yeah. right? Like, but, I mean, that's the thing. This game came out after I, w- after I had sort of put away my Game Boy because it, it had all these vertical lines missing. Right. Um, you know, it was after I'd gotten a Super Nintendo. So mm. like what I wasn't going to take my Game Boy to school. Like that was just a surefire way to get my Game Boy thrown down a well. Um, but the, like the, the, the puzzle where you have to kill the monsters in a specific order. Right. We sort of like yeah. decried that one as bullshit. Like it's interesting in the sense of like, oh, let's sort of put this. It's it. There's not a lot of evolutionary distance between that and the puzzle where you have to close the DS to make the impression of the map appear on the, wow, on that the one thing was on so the bottom. Good. It was good, but like it was also a sort of weird meta thing where it's like it was good. Think of yeah. it was good in the sense of like oh somebody at recess tells you that this is the thing that you have to do and now you know it and then it's like, oh, this changes everything. There's, there's like, a good example of that uh, that occurs several times in Dungeon 6 where uh, you know how a lot of times in a Zelda dungeon you go in a room and the doors all lock and there's, yep. there's like tapestries there on the walls instead of doors until you kill everything in there. There's a few rooms in Dungeon 6 where even after you've killed all the monsters, those doors don't open and the solution is to pick up a pot and throw it at the door to break it. That open. happens all over the place. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. But that's like, in a way, I feel like that is kind of a chicken shit puzzle. Yeah. I mean, because because it's like here's this thing that you know what it is, and exactly, this other thing that yeah, you know yeah. what it is, and neither of them works the way that we have established. Can you lock yourself yeah. in the room if you if you don't if you throw your, the pots at the wall? Uh, I think the, the door you came in remains, uh, remains remained open. open. Yeah. There were a couple other, I wish I could remember these. I wish I had like written down notes, but I, but it was like it, even watching this let's play. I, so, so I, I was like, I really, I want to finish this game because I understand that there are good things about this game and I want to have finished it. And then I just, I looked at a walkthrough, tried to figure out where in this walkthrough I was. And I was like, God, Fuck this. This even reading <laughs> this set of instructions is so complicated that I just cannot bear the thought of actually trying to play through this. And so I just found a let's play. Also then got super pissed off because fucking fuck YouTube. Like it is so like when you watch a goddamn video on YouTube that is eight in a series of forty-five, why the fuck? Is nine not the only thing it gives you to click on instead of not one of the things it gives you to click on? Like, fuck, fuck all of that. Jesus Christ. I, ma- I finally managed to find something that was a web page that was this 18 part series linked to subsequently so that I could go backwards yeah, and click yeah. on the one that, like, I didn't recognize the screenshot of it as the thing that I had just seen. Seriously, what the fuck? fuck is wrong with youtube i think it just doesn't if if the guy who posted it 
doesn't set it as a playlist in his account that you can go back to. I think YouTube just doesn't know that from the titles that they're in any particular order. But you order. would think that they would... With you, thousands, you would with think thousands would, and thousands yeah. of views, it would gather some metadata. You would think that... I mean, I'm not the world's best programmer, but I bet I could write something that recognizes that fucking that, nine comes after not, yeah, eight. Yeah, you would think so. Right? Yeah. Like, Exactly. But <sighs> ten comes right after one sure that is true i drive you nuts by by naming things one two three four five six seven eight nine mm. ten and then the tens of oh one. Yeah, yeah so it's like yeah. 10 through 11 or 10 through 19 show up before and one always whenever you put dates on things in programs you never put the year in there because you're like no this it's is... just when i say when i'm saving these podcasts but no I... no in in there are in the games that we make in the game that we make that has date data it's there are multiple places where you just have month day and i'm like what year was this? <laughs> well, that's what I'm displaying. It. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be dead before next year. <laughs> yeah, was, if anything longer than two weeks out, I just don't display a year because who cares? <laughs> um, the, no, no. So a lot of that is just display. Anywhere, anywhere that we store fucking date information in KOL, it is a goddamn Unix timestamp. The okay. way that Jesus intended us well, to store dates. Then you, when Jesus you, established <laughs> moment zero on January 1st, 1970. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, you're right. I noticed I was looking at uh, when I when I was printing out all of our listeners mail for this episode, I was like, that's weird. Why does Twitter suddenly start displaying the year? Oh, it's because it is from more than a year ago <laughs> that it starts displaying what year it is. It, like it, it's like uh, you know, it's like uh, okay, going back through like you know December, that's November, October, wait, August two thousand twelve. What did I skip a year? They're like, oh no, right, that is the order in which those things happen. It's <laughs> pretty good. The fact that. A let's play where everybody knew, where the guy knew exactly what he was doing, and a large portion of it was like triple or quadruple speed. Just walking back. Walking yeah. back, like backtracking yeah. through stuff, makes me not regret my decision to not play the rest of this game at all. Like, it. If their goal was to cram as much time into a Game Boy game yeah. as they could for a 12 year old who has fuck all to do this summer it blows my mind this is a game boy game. it is crazy it is yeah. huge yeah. it's crazy it's i mean it's it and it's a triumph in that yeah, regard it's but just, it, it just did not age well so yeah i, I, I think technically it aged staggeringly just design wise right, right it and and it coming out after a link to the past which like a Link to the Past has some crazy bullshit in it, right? It has it has a lot of the stuff that like i recognize is really easy to do because a lot of the stuff that i hate looking back at the shit that we did in KOL early on and the stuff that I'm like kind of undoing as we go through it now is this stuff where it's like, all right, well, we've been working on this game for a long time. So what's the next thing you got to do? Well, you got to go to this mountain, but how do you get to this mountain? Well, let's take a bunch of other random shit that we put into other places and make it so you got to do all those things before you get the fucking skis that let you go to this mountain. So then when ski up mountains, when you actually look at a person who gets to that point, you say, what is the next thing that I have to do? It is often some crazy shit that has nothing to do with the goal <laughs> that you're trying to accomplish. Right. right? And that's that's just bad design. It's bad design when we it do is, it. it what, what, is, what is great, though, is that 
what it has allowed us to do is make a straightforward way to get from point A to point B, but have the Sure, and then the complicated bonus way, which would be fine if what that FedEx quest did was give you twice shortcuts. as many hearts or some shit, yeah. right? Or was the crazy yeah. sequence-breaking way of going through it. But the fact that, like, it's it's like if to beat the eighth step of the main storyline in Skyrim, it's like, okay, now explore... 40% of these random side quest areas on the map to get these things and then you can make progress but we're not going to tell you that like <laughs> that's just how it is right like you it's just like you're finding in each of these cases you're finding 140th of a snorkel so that you can <laughs> you can get under this one little it's ancient uh, plastic ring underwater passage yeah like yeah oh. i mean i think the reason this bothers me so much is because i recognize having failed my player base in the same ways Mm -hmm. in my own experience and it's like ah no 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 what you should have done in 1998 was burn this motherfucker to the ground and replace it with a better more straightforward version of itself which would which would just be on a pedestal in the best fucking video games museum it's basically oracle of ages as i would say is yeah, is what is the good version of this game? Yeah. Well, then one of these days we're gonna have to do that because fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I I definitely didn't feel like this about the GBA, like uh, the Minish Cap. I I, I think in the Minish yeah, Cap yeah. I got to the boss fight and then just never beat the end boss. That but like whatever I played yeah. the, I played the game. That's you know? how I it's play like, every Zelda game pretty much. Is I'll get to the I'll get to the beginning of the I'll get to the door of the last dungeon and then never finish it. Oh, good. And that, that, that's where I stop for some reason in just about of, uh, every Zelda game. You know, that's a better place to stop than after you've watched the stupid bullshit ending cutscene that doesn't fucking matter anyway, <laughs> right? Like, you know, whatever. Cool. Hey, speaking of listeners' mails, oh, wait a minute. What are we going to do for our next assignment? Uh, Nordenbert couldn't make heads or tails of it. The Infocom text adventure about wordplay yes. and lully jokes. They're lesser uh, known. We got some shit to do, and we need to. We need something that we can play in a couple hours, and then have not a lot to say about. I looked at my save file because I save like th- when I play these games, I like save the one movie before the end or whatever. And the last time I played it was in two thousand one. <laughs> I, like, I think huh. the last time I played it was probably in nineteen ninety six. I'm thinking about where I was when I played, and the first and only time that I played it. But yeah, uh, I don't even remember. It was it was like slightly post internet. It was like right when I had discovered emulation, and hmm. like right when I don't know did Inform even exist in '96, or was I actually using like a pirated copy of Nordenbert? '96 feels like the right time for Inform to come out for that stuff to to start to be 93. getting some groundswell. Nice, nice, good. Yep. Yeah. See, yeah, version Graham, version one versions one through five were released between ninety three and Graham Nelson is also old as fuck and is totally gonna die soon. What? He no, seems he's, like he's British. They think <laughs> they think a hundred miles is a long distance, so they don't live. They he's live longer actually than Admiral years. Nelson. He's just this is just his most oh, yeah? recent job. Yeah. This is why I've started drinking all that tea, so I'll live forever like an Englishman. Like an Englishman, yeah, yeah. You get that stiff upper lip. Yeah. It's so it's so stiff. Just that, soaked nothing, in tea nothing all can the time. Kill you. <laughs> <clears throat> Bullets bounce right off that lip. <laughs> um, cancer, just scrape it off your bones with your lip. <laughs> uh, <coughs> hey, how do you guys feel about an 
all Twitter extravaganza listeners' mail segments. I am all over it. All right, we're going to read these in reverse order uh, because that's how I that's how Twitter presented them to me, and that's how I typed them on the sheet. Larry says, I mean, Data Vortex says, please discuss the binding of Isaac Rebirth. This tweet brought to you brought to you by obvious unnecessary tweet of the day. I am really looking forward to Binding of Isaac Rebirth because I'm looking forward to a good performance Binding of Isaac with This is a, a better, Vita thing, isn't it? Are they coming nah, out with something it's, other than it's Vita? Gonna be, it's primarily on PC. Okay. It's being developed on the PC and primarily being released on PC. Is it? I thought, yeah, I it's, thought coming, it's coming out on console, other stuff. Making it console version native too, right? Well, but everything gets developed on a PC, right? Well, sure. He, he specifically said, like, he, he talked about this project and was like, it's coming out on these consoles or whatever, and then immediately afterwards said, oh, yeah, no, totally fucking PC is what it's on, for those of you who are worried that it's not. Okay. Um, I am excited about playing The Binding of Isaac. A, like, I just, I quit playing The Binding of Isaac when I found out that Rebirth was happening, right? Because I want to start over and play it with the progression that you would design if you had all of the pieces in front of you when you designed the progression, Mm -hmm. which is not what happened with The Binding of Isaac. I mean, they're working on eugenics right now. I think that the, I think that Rebirth, I think he designed it and somebody else is doing it. Oh, really? I think somebody else is doing the art too. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I I think that this is not a thing that he is working on. Okay. To any significant degree, it's just it's just in it's in development by some you know somebody else who's porting it. Okay. But yeah, this is this mm. is one of the well, this is one of the indie games coming out on Vita that is that is adding weight to the the scales that will eventually tip over and cause me to buy one. See, I got one because my mom needed something to buy me for Christmas <laughs> last year, and I've like not I like I bought Sound Shapes and played it for like an hour, and mm. then I plugged in the Vita, and it's just still sitting there. But stuff will oh, come out on should, it that I want. You play. should go on go on the PlayStation Network and get that Puzzle Box. One. Oh, is it out? Yeah. I think oh, it's I thought out. that was yeah. like a coming soon thing. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's out. No, I'm totally like I will bring my. I might be wrong. Here's the thing: I will bring my Vita here, and then I, we can both play that game. Oh, cool. So then you don't have to buy it ever. <laughs> Jeff Dill says. Nine hours spent discussing the mechanics and utility of mopping proved that Zach wouldn't have been successful in the military. Congrats. <laughs> Man, I cannot, I cannot imagine anything that I could be more proud of <laughs> than the knowledge, the, the certainty that I would have been an abject failure in the military. Well, but the problem is that the way that that pans out is you get court-martialed, right? <laughs> no. I don't think that I would ever. I don't think that I would ever get to the point where they could court-martial me. I would get kicked out of basic Isn't training. Insubordination, a a court martialable offense. Would be insubordinate. I think you would. I probably would be really insubordinate. Yeah, because <laughs> you'd be like, this I, I, doesn't fact, make any insubordinate sense. would be my you'd be middle the, name. You'd be the Bill Murray and Stripes. I've never seen Stripes. Oh, you got to see Stripes. That's a great one. I feel like I would probably be the Vincent D'Onofrio in Steel in Full Metal Jacket. Steel <laughs> Metal Jacket. <laughs> my friend Mark told a story once about his basic training in the Air Force, and one of the things that they do to you is force you to do a lot of cleaning all the time, but the cleaning supplies they give you are terrible and, like, watered down and weak. And in his, I don't know, his division or flight or class in basic training, whatever it's called, um, at the end of the thing, the uh, the master sergeant or whatever asked if 
if any of the guys had managed to trick him in any way. And it's like, go ahead and tell me your secrets. You won't get in trouble or anything. And Mark revealed that he had been keeping a Listerine bottle full of Windex so that he'd have huh. some useful cleaning supplies. And he was apparently the only guy in the class who'd, who'd managed to sneak one over on this dude. That's funny. Yeah. So he, his his rebellion was to do a better job at his assigned was, task. Was to, was to do than, a better job than he was officially allowed to do. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that sounds like exactly the kind of guy the military wants. <laughs> I See, I'd be sneaking over to the girls' military. <laughs> swim, swimming across the lake to ladies' basic training. I don't think that's how Khaki that works. Raids. Oh, it totally is. Khaki raids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joel T says, the Twitch TV thing needs to happen. It will be loved by all video games, hot dog listeners, watchers, right? This, 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 I don't think, I cannot imagine that what we are doing right now would be of video interest to anybody. Well, no, I'm, but I'm saying that if we, if we did something like Let's if we play, played a game, if we did, mm. if we did a stream of us playing, I cannot imagine anyone watching me play a video game yeah, and not going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually think so either. And, and it, it seems like a real time commitment that we don't really have I, I you know i would be willing to try it once or twice but i am guessing that just not interesting i mean jenny's jenny's working on doing uh lps of stuff for video games talk co yeah so she, she and so, emily she and emily have like so a, that would be something rig. that i was gonna i'm gonna help them i'm gonna help can... them get some better audio set up because like right now they're using some shitty laptop mic um, okay but you know, when we're in San Francisco, uh, I'm sure we could get the gun run to come help us set up a thing and sure. like teach us how that works. Although the well, there's internet, no way we could stream. Yeah, from our the apartment. internet is so garbage there that. Uh, garbage but though. but we could ha- we could help we could have him set it up and then we could bring that computer back here and hook it up sure. to the real internet in Arizona when we're here for Christmas or whenever. Yeah, we could do a Christmas stream. Oh, that'd be funny. We could play all the Christmas themed video games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like uh, I remember once uh, being at my dad's house. On Christmas and running Rise of the Triad, like the original Rise of the Triad, because that was a game that he had. And if you played it on Christmas during the loading screen, there were like snowflakes pouring down, and all of the like mercenaries were wearing Santa hats. And <laughs> I remember funny. being like blown away by the fact that somebody thought of that and then actually bothered actually to put that it. into their video game. It's like the birth of the Easter egg in my mind. Uh, Data Vortex says, following the GAO white paper, U.S. Treasury and others have issued a flurry of reports on taxing virtual currencies. Your thoughts? Fucking good luck. Like, any dipshit can invent a currency. And... Depends on what they mean by taxing it, right? Like, you're allowed to have your own currencies. I mean, somebody has to be the arbiter of the legitimacy of a currency before they decide. And it also it has to be something that you can cash out into dollars in order yeah. for it to be a thing that they can tax, right? I yeah. don't know. Because, I mean, are they going to tax somebody on Kingdom of Loathing meat? Well, that's, I think that's why he wants us to talk about it, right? Because we have these, we have these uh, virtual currencies that we've created and we have these little tiny virtual economies. But there used, to be, there used to be a real money trade in KOL meat. I don't know that there really is anymore. Well, but even then, it's not... We're not arbitrating that, right? So that's that is. But so it's nonsense. I feel like it's nonsense to tax something that all I have to do is flip a switch and quadruple all the numbers, right? Sure. Or make them all zero, right? I mean, it, it it's because of the arbitrary nature of virtual currencies, and because any asshole can make them, and then any asshole can do 
anything to them. I don't understand why Bitcoin has any value, <laughs> right? Well, the only reason anything has any value is because people agree that it has value. Sure. But like... I mean, because you can use it to buy fucking weed on Silk Road, right? <laughs> but who, like, who was first willing to take that? Like, you, do you know fucking what I mean? Linux assholes. <clears throat> I guess, you know, there... We should ask Data Voice. I bet Data Voice... I, I love you, Larry, but, like, you want? do you have any Bitcoins? Like, could you teach us about Bitcoins? I bet you could. My question about Bitcoin, like, you know, they say it's this great way to exchange, you know virtual currency for drugs right but the person who has the drugs and sells you the stuff for bitcoins like what what actual value are they getting for their well, fucking bitcoin are so they going to turn you around to, and buy other to, drugs you like, go to magic the gathering ox and trade the bitcoins for money you can now but like like how did they get to the point where anybody reputable cares right like this, I, don't, I don't understand we, how it got to this point <laughs> We proposed the new game, the Linux exclusive video game, Words with Assholes. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good joke <laughs> that we made. Uh, uh, sh 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 Shuran Cone-Liffy says, referring to Dublin as being in England is exactly the sort of mistake I'd expect Canadians like you to make. <laughs> I, did so, we say that? No, I'm, if we did, it was a joke. Okay. I think there's not one of us that does not realize that Dublin is is in is Scandinavia, <laughs> not England. Uh, Dan Ruffalo says, I wonder if he's related to Mark Ruffalo. I think so. Also, how the fuck Ruffalo do you pronounce this previous guy's name? C-I-A-R-A-N. Kieran? Is that Kieran? Sure. Kieran sure. Conliffe? Okay. Uh, Dan Ruffalo says, pause the cast to go by Devil's Attorney. Ended up staying up until 2 a.m. <laughs> playing it. Thanks, Video Games Hot Dog. Also, that game was old when I discovered it, apparently. Mm. It was like a couple years old. That's awesome. How that are those guys not zillionaires? They made the best game. They made literally the best game. I was just saying yesterday, I wish I could erase the memory of having played, having 100%ed Devil's Attorney I think so that I could, could play it again. but it would be tricky to, to just erase to that. To just memory. erase that. Yeah. <laughs> you get a bullet, you could erase everything. I mean, well, not just a bullet. <laughs> well, I don't I mean... You just push it in your ear right, real I'm going to take this bullet to the top of the Empire State Building, and me and this bullet are going to jump off. Like, <laughs> I guess that would work, right? <laughs> How do you kill yourself with just a bullet and no gun? <laughs> take the bullet to the Golden Gate Bridge and leap off. <laughs> Stick it in your ear and slam your head against a wall. <laughs> Sriracha face wash. Every time I see the word Sriracha, I, I imagine uh, Jabba the Hutt saying, Uda Chuba Sriracha. Huh. And then, said I that, huh? and then I say that out loud. He did. He did, yeah. <laughs> Solo Basura is often what is on the <laughs> lids of trash cans in the mission, which also always makes me think of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, Kevin, I'm orally blind as well. Pen, pin, Mary, Mary, and Mary all sound the same to me. My girlfriend pokes me for it. Well, if you ever want to get poked, you could go to Sriracha Face Wash's girlfriend's house. Uh, Bearwolf Game says, During episode 111, I really did stop to play Slouching Towards Bedlam. Four hours later, I gave up typing look at plus noun. Bad time. Yeah, I guess if you're not versed in the... In sort of basic vocabulary yeah. of so also because like x, x noun space is, noun yeah. is also uh, look at noun in, in in form yeah short for examine I think l space noun would also work uh, it, that's not short for lick 
I don't think I so. I usually <laughs> only play interactive fiction where most of the puzzles are centered around or licking porn. things. So, yeah. <laughs> porn and popsicle games. Yeah, I guess before, before we... Re- it's probably not possible to recommend any particular piece of interactive fiction to every video game's hot dog listeners. Sure. Because some of you are babies <laughs> and you're maybe... Like, too dumb to figure out a game where wow. you actually have to know how words work. <laughs> I, I mean, you're young and you didn't grow up playing Racka 2 on the TRS-80 Color Computer 2 the way that I did. If you're playing in iOS... Um, you're, if you're playing in iOS, you're a fucking idiot. Get on a goddamn computer to play playing, IF. If you're playing in iOS, you can use Siri's uh, voice interpretation to play IF. Have you, ever, kind of have you ever seen Siri uh, if you use the emojis? When you no, because she'll read text to you sometimes, uh-huh. and if you give her emoji, like she will just read out what the emoji is. So <laughs> you can like smiling pile of poo, smiling pile of poo. Yeah, there's a smiling pile of poo emoji. Yeah, there is. Huh. I've never played with emoji at all. Really? Uh-uh. I figured you'd be like all up in that. I every once in a while will accidentally just my my normal like muscle memory for putting a period at the end of a text message sometimes instead of hitting shift and dragging it up to period i hit that little globe and then drag it up to a diamond so i will often end a t- serious text message to somebody with a diamond instead of a period <laughs> huh yeah that that means that sentence was supposed to go on forever you don't do um <laughs> dot you don't do space space to be a period oh you can do that yeah well oh, the, wow. the, doesn't that add spaces to the end of your text message no it does it it replaces the space space with period space it does, huh. doesn't that and then add a space to the end of your text message? i learned yes. something new today. i know yes, i know that probably because you can't see it doesn't bother anyone but to my to you my can then, sort of you could then delete the space if you really care uh, so uh, space, it's a space backspace. it's a special function that you have to turn on so you might not okay. it might not just be on by default uh i club you writes Zach, my 3DS loses power too if I leave it unplugged. It takes about a day and it's infuriating. Yeah, man. Hmm. Yeah. Some of these See? are not so much questions as statements. Yeah, well, it's Twitter. Twitter's not a good medium for communicating. Okay. Uh, TDC says, what was the name of the most cyber website Zach mentioned on Video Games Hot Dog? I think that's hackertyper.org. Oh, yeah. Org? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if it's hackertyper. Let's see. Hackertyper dot no dot net maybe. Huh. Is that it? Well, I don't know. It seems to have changed. <clears throat> or is this I'm gonna it... fuck up this recording by doing whatever it is that this uh Is it possible that it's hackertyper.com? Could be. Yep. that's great yeah all right it's hackertyper.com sorry Um, (laughs) if you want uh, cyberpunk sites in general um, the recall tumblr r-e-k-a-l-l i believe yeah steve 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 gainer's site is he likes things that are cyber yep uh alfred einstein says what gaming genre would you place pac-man in puzzle strategy survival horror other that is so, a good survival question. horror. That's I mean, it's funny arcade. Yeah, that's a genre. Yeah, yeah. It's just an it's just an action action game, right? Like you're just running around. I classify it under Pac Man clones. Yeah, it's a it's a Pac Man. Yeah. 
Joel T says, have any of you guys played English Country Tune? I can't remember, I recall if you mentioned it. I love the gameplay and the way it looks. No. What is that one? I don't know. Mm, I've heard of it. I think I looked at it after hearing people say good things about it, and then I thought that is a kind of gameplay that, much like, what's that rope thing that you were talking about earlier? Zenbound? Mm-hmm. Like, games that require a lot of 3D spatial skills are games that I'm not going to be very good at. Like, I fucking get shot by robots all the time. <laughs> Even in games with no robots, I managed to be so bad at manipulating or navigating. Yeah, you had a lot of trouble so. because of that in Gone Home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I, yeah, I mean, like, like, can you guys not see these fucking Christmas like, the cyber dots duck? from the... Yeah, like, <laughs> what the fuck? It gets a little taste of your blood, and then it's like, ugh, all over. <laughs> Just these stray bullets coming in from outside. From other games. <laughs> <laughs> Drive-bys. Yeah. Gone Home actually takes place inside uh, shoot, shoot Mania in the same way that all of those games are, like, connected world-wise. Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail question, how would they go about doing that? Well, they could tweet us at VGHotDog. They could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com. Or they could check out our website, videogameshotdog.com, where we have a link to our forums. And we also have our personal Twitter accounts. That's true. At, at Rifflesby, and you're at... At Puzzle, Puzzle Theory. Theory. I'm at Zap Jackson. At Zap Jackson. Uh, and then uh, you should go to iTunes, and you should ask us questions in the comments field. Yeah, you should say, I especially liked episode number 124, because it's divisible by four. Yes. Yep. It's one of my favorite things about these episodes. Uh, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording an episode of Video Games Hot Dog mm-hmm. with you, and I hope mm-hmm. you've had a fantastic time recording an episode of Video Games Hot Dog with me. It's been all right. Yep. Good show. Until yeah. next time. Have a great week, everyone. See you. Who the fuck drew this thing? Yeah, where did this come from? (laughs) This thing is rad and tilted. What the fuck? That's how stories about brownies making shoes for people came from. Yeah. Because they were pot brownies. (laughs)